and welcome back to Silver Age Silver Screen, a podcast where we watch, discuss, and review sci-fi, cult, superhero, and other stereotypically geeky films. I'm your co-host, Casey Jarms. And I'm your other co-host, Riley Thorpe. Yeah, and unlike uh, normally our even episodes are discussions, but this is an even episode and it's uh, not a discussion. We decided to change up the schedule here, seeing as though we wrote out a list of all the movies that we could talk about and review, but and we at, when we did that, we realized that there's just so many movies we can review but not a lot of discussions we can have so we decided that instead of doing a discussion every other week we would do a discussion about once a month yeah we're still gonna do discussions it's just we are scraping the bottom of the barrel if we kept doing discussions every other week in a month we would be doing things like uh What's the best nipples on a Batman suit? And no one, no one wants us to hear that. Yeah, we gotta review Batman and Robin someday. I got thoughts on that film. Oh yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. But anyway, also in adjusting the schedule, we're moving away from doing just adaptations. And this is a bad film to show that because it is technically an adaptation, but we are going to occasionally do films that were just created whole cloth by Hollywood. What our old schedule was, was uh, we'd we'd review a DC movie, then have a discussion, review a Marvel movie, and have a discussion, and then have a non-Marvel or DC movie, and then have a discussion, and thus the cycle continues. But since we've changed up our schedule, we wanted to include more non-superhero movies, more classics in cinema and nerd culture like The Matrix, Terminator, Die Hard, all that. And also cult films like this one. Yep. Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. Oh boy, this film. It was produced in 1991 by a Hong Kong studio from a Japanese manga. Now at the time, Hong Kong was under the occupation of Great Britain. And there was a certain treaty signed that in 1997, so six years after this film was to be released, Hong Kong would be passed over from England, from a democratic England, to a very strict and communist China. And China has a rather notorious history for censoring artists. And there's a lot of historical background on exactly the relationship between Hong Kong and China, but a very vague idea of it is a lot of people were unhappy that they were being passed on to China. So what to do when the people that are about to rule you are going to be censoring your work? You make the bloodiest, goriest, hardest quality action movie you possibly can. And what better way to do that than by adapting mid-90s manga? Yeah, oh god. Shonen from the late 80s, early 90s, shit like Fist of the North Star and this. There is some insanely violent manga out there. And this movie, this is crazy violent. And a lot of you, I'm sure, are wondering why exactly Casey and I are reviewing this. You're like, this is a pretty obscure movie, like just some Hong Kong action movie made in the early 90s. Why would you guys, of all the movies you could talk about, of all the cult cinema you could talk about, why this one? Well, this one's actually kind of special to us. This was the movie Casey and I first saw together as college students. At our college, Columbia College Chicago, they have a cult cinema club where they show and discuss cult movies. And our freshman year, the very first film they showed was 
Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. So it was the first movie I saw as a college student, and it's the first film I saw with you, Casey. So naturally, when the two of us who love cinema love this movie, and it's it was inevitable that we would talk about it. Oh, also, before we get into it, just because I don't want to have implied with this review things that I don't. Hong Kong has a long, complicated history that, honestly, me and Riley don't know much about. Don't mean to paint England as being good and China as being good, because British Empire wasn't all that great, and it's kind of messed up that they had colonies into the 90s, and in fact, I'm pretty sure they still have any. But anyway, that aside, let's talk about this film, this goddamn film. So, the story opens up in the near future of 2001. (laughs) where prisons are privatized by a capitalist country and a bus full of prisoners is being taken to a maximum security penitentiary. And among that group is a man by the name of Ricky. How can we describe Ricky? He is a man's man. He's a tough guy. He's the toughest of tough guys. He has bullets lodged in his chest that he refused to have taken out surgically. To keep as souvenirs. (laughs) The first thing we see him do is he walks forward and some guards try and beat him with batons and he just stops them without taking any damage with his arm. Right. Ricky doesn't feel any pain whatsoever. He can get hit and come right back up. The taste of his own blood energizes him to help him win a fight. When he punches someone, he doesn't just punch them. He punches through them. He can break someone's nose without even touching them. That's how badass Ricky is. Ricky, by the way, played by Fon Siu Wong. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. And this film was directed by Lam Nai Choi. Also, while we're talking about uh, Ricky real quick, this film and Ricky the character in particular uh, was actually very influential to video games. Mortal Kombat was heavily inspired by this film. And that tells you everything you need to know about the film. In fact, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Liu Kang is actually based off Ricky. Mm-hmm. And M. Bison from Street Fighter is based off a character from the manga who doesn't appear in this film. So, right out the gate, all the prisoners are being taken to the prison and they're being checked in. Ricky, we see he's impervious to pain. He has bullets lodged in his chest. He's a tough guy. He's sentenced to, I believe it was, I believe it was 10 years for manslaughter and assault. Right as they're being checked in. The hilariously bad English dubbing. Oh my god. Yeah. It is so bad, but so good. (laughs) I have no clue how good the original Cantonese acting is. Considering the rest of the film, it was probably cheesy. But oh boy, the English dub is not great. Yeah. It's part of the film's charm that there's just this awful, cheesy 90s kung fu movie dub. You know who, uh, actually, as I was re-watching this film, stood out as, like, the worst acting? Like, Rogan, the, like, very feminine martial artist. Oh boy, that voice acting. Mm, not good. Yeah. So, Ricky, he goes to prison. Uh, we get introduced to him. And then we get introduced to the fact that this prison is kind of a hellhole. There's an old man in the bathroom, and he's, uh, carved this way wooden train to bring home to his son because he's going to be getting out of prison lately. But uh uh-oh, he pisses off a mean inmate named Samuel, and Samuel takes like a wood carving knife and just removes most of his face. This film establishes early on that the prison is run by gangs. 
there's North Wing, South Wing, West Wing, East Wing. Each wing is ruled by a gang member, and they report directly to the assistant warden, who reports directly onto the warden, who the warden is not present. Yeah, as Casey says, the first real big act of violence is uh, the old man who is just being bullied and attacked by another inmate. He rushes the inmate in an attempt for revenge, to which the inmate grabs a sander, like a wood carver, and slices yeah, the man's wood. face off. We don't know wood making terms, but we're not we're we're not carpenters. But yeah, he carves the man's face off. Yeah, at least part of his face off. And then Ricky, seeing this, trips the bully Samuel, and Samuel just falls face first onto a wooden board with nails sticking out, which they just have lying on the floor for some reason, and gets penetrated through the face. And oh boy, welcome to Ricky Yo. This is the most violent film ever made. Yeah, so Samuel, I believe they call him the North Cell Killer. After Ricky attacks him, he's sent to the hospital where he's bandaged up and he loses an eye and he decides he wants to get revenge on Ricky. So he enlists the help of this man named Zorro, who's a huge man in that prison. He's going to send him after Ricky to kill him. Later that day, the old man that had his face carved off he meets with the parole board who tells him that his parole has been denied and he is going to continue living in the prison. And later that night, he unfortunately commits suicide by hanging himself. Yeah. To which we hear audio of all the other prisoners' exposition dumping the fact that that man, the reason why he's in here was because his wife was sick or pregnant or something and he was driving too fast and he killed someone. So it was... An accident what happened, but now he was sentenced to living in this hellscape that is this prison. As the man's body is being taken out, Ricky meets them outside. He reaches into his jacket, to which he has the rebuilt train, leaves it on the man's body, and they take the man away. And then Ricky, in anger, Kung Fu fights the air, just to vent. Yeah, and it's cheesy, but that scene is kind of nice, because, like, Ricky sees them taking away the old guy's corpse, and they still have handcuffs on him, and Ricky just runs over and snaps them, because, like, at least be nice to the dead. It establishes that Ricky has a good heart, and that there's a number of people in this prison that don't deserve to be treated how they are. Yeah. Anyway, Samuel wants revenge on Ricky for messing up his face, sends Zorro, this sumo wrestler-esque inmate, after Ricky. They fight in the showers. Ricky punches Zorro in the stomach so hard that, like, pops like a balloon and a gallon of blood pours out. And then Samuel tries to stab Ricky, and Ricky catches the knife with his hand, and it stabs through. This is a very violent film. And maybe skip parts of this episode if you don't want that, because we're probably going to be destroyed being all the ridiculous over-the-top violence. That was one of the things that struck me upon re-watching it, because this is my second time watching it. One thing that it occurred to me was, this movie is, not only is it extremely violent, it's very creative with its violence. Oh, definitely. And we'll definitely get into it later, but they find creative ways to be as bloody as possible. I mean, like we just mentioned, Ricky punches a hole into a fat guy's stomach, and then the man just erupts gallons of blood out of his stomach, to which the other guy stabs Ricky in the hand, and Ricky just pulls out the blade and kills the guy with it. Yeah. And, you know, this film had a shoestring budget, and there are places where you can see that this film had no budget. They, right. for the most part, 
are pretty good with having realistic-looking violence. The body doubles are really good. You can tell there's some shots where it's like, okay, that's that's fake. Absolutely. But for the most part, I do think, like, the practical effects do hold up fairly well. Yeah. There are, like, three exceptions, and we'll get to them later, but this is realistic-looking blood and gore. It almost reminds me of The Thing. Yeah. Except for not quite as good. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Ricky kills Samuel, a major inmate, and then Samuel's boss, the head assistant leader... Er, the assistant warden. Oh, we're talking... I was going to talk about that. Isaac, let me no, get back. you can. You can. Yeah. Anyway, Ricky kills Samuel, and then the gang leader of the cell block Ricky's in, a guy named uh, Isaac, who has this cool back tattoo and is really badass... Comes up and offers Ricky, hey, want to be, want to have a job as part of my game because you're so strong? And Ricky says no. And then Ricky gets taken to the assistant warden. No, that was before. I don't remember the order that this film happened in. No, what happened was after he kills Zorro and the North Cell killer, cut to a flashback of Ricky meeting with his uncle who teaches him martial arts. And he does so by using a bunch of headstones for Ricky to punch through. Yeah, they just desecrate the graveyard. Yeah, you'd think that the living family members... Like, hey, Casey, have you seen Poltergeist? Uh, no, but I assume the film... You only move the headstones! I assume the film would go a lot differently if the ghost tried to haunt Riccio and just... Ooh, everything is moving around. Okay, he punched the house so hard it exploded. I'm gonna haunt someone else. Uh, the flashback scene establishes where Ricky got his strength. It's from a very specific form of martial arts called Qigong that channels energy and creates just immense amount of strength. Yeah. And also, side note, I love young Ricky because he's just, he's such a nice, young, friendly guy who plays music as opposed to this buff, badass martial artist he is later on. He is, yeah. like, definition of a himbo. He kind of reminds me of Jonathan Joestar. I like young Ricky. He looks exactly the same as his 21-year-old self. Well, you know. They didn't try to make him look younger at all. But yeah, after... The flashback cut to a scene where Ricky meets with the assistant warden. The assistant warden really stole the show for me. I love and adore how over the top he was. He has a fake eye that he pops out of his socket and uses it as a tic-tac dispenser. He's got a fake hook arm that he uses to drag people from the ground with. Yeah, and also on the hook arm, that is very clearly a realistic modern prosthetic hook where it's dulled, but he stabs people with it somehow, and that, okay, I don't think that's how that works. The assistant warden, he eats steaks that are still bleeding. He has a giant VHS pornography collection just on display on all the walls in his office. This man is evil. And goddamn, is it so fun. Yeah, and he basically tells Ricky to back off, to obey his orders, to basically work for him. Otherwise, he's going to go after Ricky's girlfriend. Ricky threatens him by destroying his desk and punching the air in front of him, which causes the assistant warden's nose to bleed. Ricky made this man's nose bleed without even touching him. That's how powerful this badass guy is. <laughs> but it's after that that... 
This man who rats out other inmates is approached by a group of guys, and they're about to kill him before Oscar saves his life by telling him, telling the men, the attackers, that only he gets to kill. Wait, did I call Oscar Isaac earlier? You did. You did. Why the f- why did I, I get- It's alright. I'm not- I don't- I- I'm running on like two hours of sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through it. But that's the other thing, too, is it's like, the names in this, like, it takes place in Asia, but there's characters named Ricky, which, by the way, that's another thing. A side note to the side note. In the title alone, there's two different spellings of Ricky. Here's the weird thing. What? And I think I know why the title's that way. The names, it isn't just that they have Western European names. It's that they have Western European first names and Chinese surnames. Like, you got characters like Edward Lee, Rogan Chung, Oscar Hung, and, of course, the main character, Ricky Ho. Not Riccio. He isn't named Riccio in the film. There's no reason for it to be called Riccio. His name is Ricky H.O. Uh, the reason <laughs> yeah. it's called Riccio is because that's what the comic is called, because the comic's Japanese, and his name of that is Riccio Saiga, but they changed it to Ricky Ho, and I don't... It's weird that this film is called Riccio and that it's spelled different ways. It's a weird movie. Yeah. Oscar meets with Ricky, tell, offers him a job, but Ricky denies and refuses to accept. Then Oscar meets with the assistant warden who tells Oscar that he has to kill Ricky. Cut to a scene. Oscar has another inmate crucified, essentially, in the yard, to which he challenges Ricky to a fight. And the two battle on the yard in front of all of the prisoners. And it is probably the best fight in the film. It's so gory and also so creative. Oscar throws powdered glass in Ricky's eyes to blind him. And Ricky gets it out by punching the ground hard enough to break a pipe and create a geyser. Doesn't he break his arm too? Yeah, he does. He breaks Ricky's arm. And then Ricky, in order to continue fighting with a broken arm he ties his tendon over it to like attach it together yeah he gets a massive cut on his arm and he ties it together with his own tendons what the holy <laughs> shit that's so badass and so stupid i love it like we said it's creatively Oscar violent. gets punched so hard an eye goes out and gets eaten by a crow and the ending of the fight Oscar pulls out a knife that uh, the warden gave him. Side note, there are so many knives in the hands of prisoners in this movie. Oh, I yeah. feel like that's a bit of a security risk. We didn't even mention that when Oscar saved that guy, one of the prisoners was about to kill the rat, the fink they call him, but they was about to kill him with a giant saw blade that was like yes, two feet is long. This prison! <laughs> How have these inmates not escaped? Well, especially because half of them have super strength. But yeah, Oscar, he takes this giant saw blade and he cuts open his stomach and then tries to strangle Ricky to death with his intestines. <laughs> oh my god, this film is a masterpiece. It's so much fun. Ricky, after being attempted to be strangled by Oscar using his own intestines, Ricky kills Oscar... And he's about to go and kill the assistant warden. However, the other leaders of the different gangs jump in front of them 
to prevent them from attacking the assistant warden. Wait, hold on, hold on. Why didn't Oscar just stab Ricky? Why do you have to... Why would he think that cutting his own intestines open to strangle him to death was a good idea? I don't even know. <laughs> Who wrote this film? But anyway, the other cell block leaders are Brandon, who's like an old dude with blonde highlights who has like knives attached to ropes. We got Tarzan, who is even more swole than Ricky somehow. And we got Rogan, who is played by a female actress and... I honestly, we aren't sure if Rogan's supposed to be a man or a woman, but it doesn't really. He, it, he's supposed to be a man. However, from what I understand in the manga, and keep in keep in mind, I haven't read the manga, but in the manga, Rogan is drawn with quote unquote feminine features, and so they cast a woman as this character. But she, she's well, anyway, playing a man. Rogan, feminine martial artist who. God, that voice is not good. Yeah, she sounds like Michael Jackson, honestly. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I was listening to Rogan talk. I was like, yeah, Michael Jackson. Some parts of this movie are bad. Like yeah. Michael Jackson bad. <laughs> like, did you see Michael Jackson at the end of his life? He looked terrible. Oh, yeah. Except I thought Rogan was very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so it's at that moment we meet Brandon, Tarzan, and Rogan, the other leaders of the gangs who are just unstoppable killing machines. Yeah. Ricky, after killing Oscar, he meets Oscar's godson, Alan, who is mute because he had his tongue cut out. He makes friends with Alan, who informs Ricky that secretly on the prison, they are growing poppies, which are used for heroin manufacturing. So the warden and assistant warden, along with the gang leaders, are actively committing crime and manufacturing narcotics. And also, keep in mind, this is a film that came out in Hong Kong. They have special reason to be very, very unwelcome to the idea of growing opium. Right, exactly. They have a very dark history with that. Speaking of British Empire. Um, anyway. That night, the leaders meet with Alan and kill him for telling Ricky about the poppies. And not only do they kill him, they skin him alive. <laughs> and you see his skinned alive corpse the next scene. Also, side note about Alan, how old is he supposed to be? Because everyone treats him like he's like eight, but he's in an adult's prison. He's got to be in his 20s. I don't know. I don't think it's ever established. But well, um... Anyway, Ricky, mad about the poppies and about Alan being killed... Burns all the opium! Which gets the attention of the assistant warden and the other gang leaders, particularly Rogan, who goes to meet him in front of the burning garden, and the two have a fight. And in that fight, Rogan attacks Ricky with a death punch, or whatever she called it, or whatever he called it. It's a hit that will kill you. This film has very heavy fist of the North Star inspiration, in case you couldn't tell. Right. And because Ricky's such a manly man, he gets up despite being hit with the death hit and continues fighting. No, he doesn't just get up. He goes, I punched you so hard, your heart's going to explode. And he just punches himself in the heart again so it doesn't explode. Okie doke. <laughs> when he gets up, Brandon and Tarzan show up to help Rogan. And just as they're about to kill Ricky, the prison goes into lockdown. And they're unable to do so. So Ricky escapes alive. Yeah, him and Tarzan run into like a side cell, have a little fight in there. And then it just completely fills with cement. Mm -hmm. 
Because half the prison is filled with random death traps. Ricky breaks out of the concrete room by just bursting through a metal door, which is very clearly made of paper. They he carries they spend Tarzan all their well. effects money on the blood. <laughs> and Ricky ends up succumbing to being covered in cement and just turns into a statue and they're able to lock him up again. Right. Oh, dumb thing about this film that we forgot to mention. Ricky takes a poppy leaf from the uh, opium farm so he can like use it as evidence and like mm -hmm. get the prison shut down by turning it in but the evil gang leaders they destroy it oh no if only ricky hadn't burned down all the other evidence the next day the warden comes with his just snot-nosed bratty son who's one of the worst characters in this movie He's just so despicable. Oh god, he's awful. And I shouldn't be cheering for a film to have the main character kill a kid, but at least have something happen to the brat. So the warden shows up after making all the men wait for a little while. Him and his son take a seat in the office, to which the assistant warden tells the warden about everything that has happened in his absence. And the three of them go to visit Ricky, who's in a special cell, still frozen solid by cement and held together by chains in a cell with a special ceiling that has a mechanical device on it that causes it to lower and crush who's ever in the cell. Yeah, and while they're, like, talking to Ricky, Tarzan just breaks through the walls because he wants a rematch, and then Ricky kills him by A, punching his hand off, and B, uppercutting him so hard that Ricky's fist goes through Tarzan's face. And then the yeah. warden just activates the smusher that all prison cells have. And this was after Ricky, just by sheer willpower and strength, broke through the cement barrier covering his body and broke through the chains attached to his arms. Tarzan actually sacrifices himself because Ricky's a cool dude and holds up the smusher long enough for Ricky to just jump through the bars, which, I mean, he could have done from the start or at any other point in this film, whatever. Or he could have just, you know... Walked back through the hole that Tarzan created on the oh, other yeah, side of the cell. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but anyway, Ricky doesn't escape and hurt the warden because a trap door opens and drops because because this prison was made by Willy Wonka. What is this <laughs> jail? It's ridiculous. Next, the warden tries to kill Ricky by burying him alive. Actually, no, not just burying him alive. Forcing Ricky's friends to bury him alive. Uh, with only, like, a tube for him to breathe through. Also, Rogan and Brandon stick a dog heart down the oxygen pipe so Ricky chokes on it. This is a very violent film. Oh, yeah. After, after the warden makes all the prisoners bury Ricky alive, they bust through a manhole cover and kick the dog they have guarding Ricky in half. And the warden tells Ricky that if Ricky survives underground for the next seven days, if he survives through that... He will consider Ricky a free man and release him. Yeah, which I don't think that's how... I mean, this film takes place in the far-off future of 2001, but I don't, I, I don't think that's how parole works. No, but the prison's been privatized, so what are you going to do? Yeah, actually, before we get into the rest of the film, man, this film sure was a good prediction of the future, but with the private prisons owned by... Megacorps, they treat inmates terribly. <laughs> uh, the world is fucked. 
Uh, anyway, while well, Ricky is buried alive, we get more flashbacks to his backstory and find out that he was a nice music student and he fell in love with a nice young woman named Anne, or Kaiko in the Cantonese version. Uh, and anyway, she witnessed some dudes selling opium and they killed her for it. Well, no, they didn't actually kill her for it. Oh, no, what they happened just was... were chasing after her to kill her and she ran off a building. Yeah, she saw them selling opium and they kidnapped her and brought her back to their lair she escaped and instead of going down the stairs and out the front door she goes up the stairs to the roof and then without even questioning for a moment just runs off the roof falls flat on her face on the ground and loses her life to which ricky goes to seek revenge and he kills all the men that were responsible for killing his girlfriend and, and that's, that's why, why he's, he's in, jail. in jail also Side note, they constantly in this film say that Ricky is in jail for manslaughter? Did the people who translated this film to English, did, did they know what manslaughter is? Because Ricky did not commit manslaughter. He committed murder. Yeah, like manslaughter is killing someone by accident. Ricky plotted out, tracked down, and killed these people. The, it, it's He's in jail for first degree murder, not manslaughter. But... Ricky survives being buried alive because he's Ricky. Oh, of course. Uh, and he's Ricky. That's the explanation of this. He's just buff and knows martial arts. And right. it's ridiculous, but that's the charm of the film. So after he survives, the warden, the assistant warden, and all the leaders of the gangs take Ricky to be interrogated and to be tortured. And this is where the really creative violence also starts to rear its head because one of their means of torturing him is they take a bunch of razor blades, put them in his mouth, and then slap him over and over again. He has razor blades sticking out of his cheeks. And when the warden interrogates him, asking him, why are you this powerful? How is this possible? Ricky spits out the razor blades onto the warden's face. Yeah. Ricky ends up breaking out after being tortured and starts a prison riot. And all the prisoners join him and they kill the assistant warden. Also, some riot gear wearing guards show up who wield medieval flails because what is this prison? Right, well actually they don't kill the assistant warden. They chop off his other remaining arm and they take out another one of his eyes. It's a nice roundabout arc for that character he starts off with one eye and one arm and by the end he loses that one eye and one arm although but let's be honest he's been abusing these prisoners for years and ricky just leaves that, him with them he gonna die oh, yeah. no actually no this is what happens to him so sorry to keep interrupting but before ricky breaks out he is helped by a guy i believe named freddie which the guy who that oscar saved earlier the fink the rat he tells the assistant warden the assistant warden kills Freddy, and what's interesting about that scene is as the assistant warden is dragging Freddy out of his cell by his, the roof of his mouth, the prisoners just open up their cell doors because they can. Ricky breaks out after hearing that Freddy died, and he causes a riot, which causes the assistant warden to lose his arm and his other eye, and they take him to go see the warden, who's in the kitchen talking about cutting down the portions for the prisoners for every meal. Because he's just a dick. Right, he's trying to make as much money as possible. But when one 
prisoner who's cleaning the meat grinder complains, he cuts off the guy's arm and then puts it in the meat grinder. This huge man, like meat grinder that'll fit a man in. Hashtag foreshadowing. He sticks the man's arm in there and has a big plate of raw human meat and says, there, you can eat this. Not gonna lie, that is the part in the film that made me the queasiest. Exactly. It also should be established that the other prisoners, except for the gang leaders, all the prisoners love Ricky. Yeah, he's the best. He plays flute and beats people to death. Yeah, he beats bad people to death. He fights for the little guy. They take the assistant warden to go meet the warden in the kitchen. The warden pulls out a special gun and shoots the assistant warden with. And it causes the assistant warden to blow up like a balloon until he explodes. God, I... Again, I'm (laughs) running... How did I forget that? That's the most wild scene in the movie with his special blow-up-like-a-balloon gun. Again, operating on no sleep right now. I'm a bit ditzy. Also, this film is just... It has so much wild, crazy shit that I can't keep it straight in my mind. Ricky continues to have a fight with Rogan and Brandon, and he cuts Rogan's arm legs off, I believe. Yeah, I think what happened, if I remember correctly, Rogan, like, tries to punch Ricky, and Ricky, like, redirects Rogan's arm into, like, a big boiler, and it just burns it to death, and then while Rogan's screaming, Ricky just... <laughs> pounds Rogan's leg hard enough to break it in half. And doesn't he kill Brandon as well? Uh, no, I'm pretty... If, didn't... There is so much death in this movie, you can't keep <laughs> it straight. I'm pretty sure the warden shoots Brandon for trying to run away. But anyway, final battle between Ricky and the warden, which is a wild scene, because the warden <laughs> reveals that... A, he's a badass martial artist because, and I quote, the warden of any prison has to be the best at kung fu. What the fuck is this movie? He knows the exact same form of martial arts that Ricky does. Yeah, because they went to the same school, even though Ricky didn't train at a martial arts school. They're both masters of Qigong. And the warden just hulks out into this giant monster dude and fights Ricky. And Ricky kills him by throwing him into the giant dangerous meat grinder. And it's so much blood. There's so much blood. I read that Fan Su Wang, the guy who plays Ricky, yeah. could not get the blood out of his skin for three days. There was so much blood when the warden died. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, this film has a lot of really good quality special effects. Some of it more noticeable than others. But still, for the most part, pretty solid. It's this scene where they just lose me entirely when it comes to like the practical effects the the warden as we said transforms into this giant hulking monster and you can see like the rubber flapping around he like jumps to punch ricky and there are super visible wires yeah yeah this entire scene the wires are so noticeable but anyway after ricky kills the warden he does something that For some reason, he couldn't have done from the start. He runs up to the prison wall and punches it hard enough to break it down and then shouts, You are all free now! And everyone just runs out of the prison. And I guess (laughs) my question is, Why couldn't you have done that from the start, Ricky? Because he had a mission. 
He had to make what mission? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, from what I've read in the manga, he went to prison to get information from a guy, and that's why he couldn't break out. But the, that's not shown. That's just he breaks out at the end because he remembered that he can do that. He throws the monster warden into the meat grinder until there's just his head remaining. Which also, one of the guards takes the warden's son away so that he doesn't see the fight. I feel like they probably should have killed that kid. Just, he was just such a piece of shit. You know what's the weirdest thing about that kid? What hmm. is he wearing? He's wearing like plaid kilt-like shorts and a green jacket. And he has jack-o'-lantern pins. He's a weird kid. Yeah, so after he just kills the warden and the prisoners are rioting, Ricky walks to the edge of the wall, punches a hole into it, and all the bricks and all the stuff that... Ricky punches, they're clearly pulled back by a horrifically noticeable wires, as we mentioned earlier. And he turns around to the prisoners to say, in slow motion, You're all free now! Yay! <laughs> and, yeah, uh, he could have done that from the get-go, absolutely. He could have. But also, there's... There's probably a lot of people in that prison. Yes, it has established that the people, some of most of the people we've seen, at least some of the people we've seen thus far, are like you know, like they're kind of pretty innocent. But not all of them. There are legitimately probably some child serial killers in this group that he just released back into the world because his mission is complete or something yeah. like that. And, I mean, we can argue the ethics of freeing ten innocent men if it means you're also freeing a guilty man. And that, right. that's an interesting discussion. But it's not anything the film really acknowledges, so we're going to make fun of it. Right. I mean, a lot of these men that we've shown thus far, they attack and kill and mutilate the other prisoners it's like you're letting these men out free although to be fair i'm pretty sure that a lot of the other prisoners like oscar and tarzan could have also broken out at any time oh yeah absolutely just saying the plot of this film is held together with scotch tape and i love it the film ends on a freeze frame of ricky walking away from the prison from why i know the manga goes on a lot longer and it somehow gets even wilder i really need to read it because it sounds amazing also riley i don't know if you know this did you know this movie had a sequel i did not no yeah an unofficial sequel it isn't called riccio and it had a different director but there's another movie based off the riccio manga that stars the same guy it's called super powerful man it was never released in the u.s from what i've heard it's very bad and not bad good in the way that this one is that's a shame but yeah, that's Ricky O, the story of Ricky. It's <laughs> it's a wild film. and It's a lot of fun. It's a fun movie is the best thing I can say about it. Yeah, we can make fun of it for being so stupid and so over the top, but I enjoyed this film more than most of the movies we've watched on this show. Maybe more than any of them. It's just a good time. Yeah, And absolutely. you know, we described it as being ridiculously over the top violent. And it is, but it's so ridiculously violent that it isn't even horrifying. It's just ridiculous Tom and Jerry levels of insanity. The practical effects are sometimes pretty noticeable, but they're still really good and they still hold up very well. 
it does, like I said, fall apart when the warden transforms into a giant Hulk monster. The rubber costume is so terribly noticeable, and the wire work is so horrendous and also noticeable. The action is really good. I will say, the action, you can tell, like, there's a lot of wide shots, and the actors are actually doing their own martial arts for the most part. You can tell they really do have a talent and a passion for martial arts and making the best possible film they could. So the action scenes are good. I mean, they're no John Wick, but like, you know, they're fine. They're they're good. I do think, and this might be a hot take, I think the acting in this film is great. It's not great acting, and that's why it's great. It, right, exactly. It's, it's like perfect for the type of film that it is. Right. All the acting, it's so over-the-top and cheesy and really just hokey nonsense. Especially, like I said, the assistant warden. He, like I said earlier, stole the show from me. He was a really good at portraying this over-the-top character. I mean, he has a fake eye that he stores mints in, has a fake arm, and eats bleeding steaks. It's like... And he... Just has a massive porn collection in his office for some reason. They knew exactly what this movie was, and they played to that strength. They knew it wasn't going to be this cinematic masterpiece. They knew it was just going to be this crazy, over-the-top action movie that is just there to be entertaining. And they really were over-the-top, cheesy, and entertaining, just like the rest of the movie. And I do think that fit very well with the movie they ended up making. And, you know, this film is cheesy and dumb, but I gotta say, looking back on it, like, after rewatching it, it does have a pretty good central theme of prisons dehumanizing inmates and the question of whether or not that practice, which does happen in real life, although not as cartoonish as it is in real life, whether or not prison guards are really all that good. And right. that's, for a dumb movie, it does have some succinct points about the dehumanization of criminals and i think that's not bad it has a lot of interesting things to say for a movie that is very over the top and campy and cheesy it does have a lot of very interesting things to say another thing that i noticed is the structure of this film is very very interesting in a good way you can tell just by watching it that it's based on a manga because it's really interesting how episodic this movie actually feels like it almost feels like an anthology film with a story carrying them each apart like there's the opening where ricky has this beef with one of these other prisoners who sends zorro after him then once that ends then he starts to have his whole thing with the assistant warden and oscar then after that it's dealing with the other gang leaders and the poppies and so it's just like, it feels like these little episodic adventures, like it would be directly adapting a comic book. And it's really fascinating to think of it that way, because it's being very, very true to the manga. Like I said, I haven't read it, but I don't know, the structure of this film is very fascinating. How it basically tells a series of comic book story as it is, instead of making it feel like just all one coherent story. Now it feels like there's, okay... Once you're done with this adventure, then you go into the next adventure. And that one, the stakes are higher. And then, same exact thing. The next adventure, the stakes are even higher and higher and higher. This movie is really bad, but 
I have so much fun watching it. Um, the practical effects are really good. The acting is so bad it's good, as we've talked about. I suppose the one thing of this movie that, like, I just say is, like, okay, that's just really bad, is the writing. The writing's not that good. Which, no. at the same time, it's adapting a comic book, so it's like, you know, they're being very faithful to it, but there's a lot of exposition, a lot of really bad storytelling, and, and admittedly, they made it with that purpose, to be this cheesy, over-the-top action movie. But at the same time, when you're adapting something that's bad, it's going to be bad when you adapt it, you know? So I would say uh, the writing is just, for me, the biggest flaw of this film, which is true to what they were actually planning on accomplishing with this movie, but still, it's no excuse for bad writing. <laughs> so... I think I'm going to give this movie a 7 out of 10, just as a personal fan of it, because it's a lot of fun. It's free on Tubi with ads. Go and watch it. It's a lot of fun. There's a hilariously bad English dub. But combined with me being subjective and objective, the movie's a lot of fun to watch, but it's not a very good movie. So the objective reviewer in my mind is saying it's bad. The subjective fan is saying it's good so i'm gonna give it a seven i have the same thought process but a kind of differing conclusion that this is a bad film but at the same time i enjoyed it so much it was so much fun to watch even though or perhaps because of its badness and honestly i feel like it was deliberately bad or not deliberately bad deliberately cheesy can't be over the top and I'm going to give this film a 9. I love this movie. <laughs> also, you didn't give it an 8, and I am thankful for that. <laughs> so am I. Uh, for those of you who should be watching all the rest of our episodes, if you want, that's a plug. The last, like, what, two or three episodes, or last two or three reviews, I've given the exact same rating, which is an 8 out of 10. Because what was it? It was Superman... Iron, Iron Man, Man and, and Harry Potter Harry and Potter. the Sorcerer's Philosophy. So. Yeah, and I think you gave the the same rating for those movies as well. I think I can give Superman the same, but yeah, I, Iron Man and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone are equally good films, according yeah. to me and Riley. We we both, I gave an 8.5, he gave an 8 for an average of 8.25. Uh, but this one, this one got a 9 and a 7. We were not going to repeat ourselves with this one. This movie is so enjoyably bad. And, again, that's the hard part about reviewing a cult classic like this. You know, it's, it's just like, the reason why it's a cult classic is because you enjoy it for all of its goodness, for all of its badness. And how can you ob objectively review something that you hold so near and dear to your heart and to yourself? I don't know, I think we did a good job. <laughs> Not to pat myself on the back here, but... Uh, Riley, where can they find you? You can all find me on YouTube, at Riley Thorpe, where you can see my short films, Pizza Face, Silence of the Karens, and pretty soon coming Dismay. Uh, so look forward to all that. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram, at Riley James Thorpe. You can also find me on... Facebook and Twitter at Riley Thorpe. You can find me on Twitter at Jarms Casey, J A R M E S C A S E Y. Also, check out The First Mag Train Out of Cleveland and other short stories. 
available now on Amazon. It's a collection of sci-fi short stories I wrote. We'll be back next week, assuming we don't get tossed into a meat grinder and create so much blood that the people who watch our deaths are just red for a week. Uh, next episode going to be our first episode in December, which is why we're going to be doing our first sequel to a movie we've watched before. We're going to go back to the Tim Burton and Michael Keaton Batman series and review Batman Returns. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm glad that we're getting back to continuing talking about the films in those particular franchises. And I hope I have that not we seen that film in like a decade. And I have a feeling it does not hold up. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm calling it in advance. Anyway, as always, I'm Casey Jarms. And I'm Riley Thorpe. And hey, it's just a movie. Don't lose your head about it, especially not to a lot of people.